Hello. We are excited that you have decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku under the Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street, Bergaw, North Carolina, 28425, every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would like to give a donation, you can go to our website and click the donation button at www.mtdm.org. Prepared to hear what you have to say unto us on tonight. And we just thank you that it's not by might nor by power, but it shall be by your spirit on tonight. And in you we live, move, and have our being. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue our teaching. We thank God for what we have learned so far. And I pray that what you have learned is on the inside. Amen. And we can use it for God's glory. I want to talk about again tonight on defending your faith. And when I say defending your faith, it means defending what you believe. And we should all stand for what we believe. And the only way we can stand for what we believe is according according to the word of God. So we must know what the word of God is saying. Go to 1 Peter 3 verse 15 and let's hear what God has to say first Peter 3 verse 15 and I'm gonna read out the King James version and it says but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear So Peter is saying to them, he said, always, always, that means at all times, we should be ready to give a defense. Defense here means to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. So when someone asks us concerning our faith and what we believe, We should always be ready to answer everyone who asks us what we believe according to the word of God. Whatever question that they ask you, we should be able to back it up with the word of God. It should be backed up with the word of God. But when we back it up, we want to back it up in meekness and in fear. We don't want to come in hostility. We don't want to be rude. But we want to be able to give an answer. And the only way we can give an answer to defend what we believe in is through the word of God. That's why it is a must not to hit and miss the word. It is a must to get into the word on a daily basis. So whomever come up on you, you will be ready to give them an answer. And remember, you have a helper, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit... He will let you know what to say, how to say, when to say. 
He is your helper. And when you open your mouth, it will be filled full with the word of God. Because whatever is in you, that's what's going to come out of you. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. So if we're in the word on a daily basis, we should be able to answer when someone is asking us what we believe. And we should be able to answer according to the word of God. Another scripture is in Jude, the third chap, the first chapter. It's only one anyway. Verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So here's another witness and we got to contend for our faith. So that's First um, Peter three fifteen, Jude, um, the first chapter, um, verse three. Now again, I said when we're contending, when we're giving an answer for our faith, we want to do it in meekness. We want to do it in fear. That fear there is in reverence to God. We want to honor God with the way that we answer. We don't want to come like they're coming at us. We want to come in meekness and fear. Proverbs 26, verse 4 through verse 5. Now, I'm changing translations on you. I'm going to the expanded Bible because I wanted to break it down a little bit more. Not too much, but a little bit more. When you use other Bible translations, your main one should be King James. And the reason why I'm saying that is because King James is going to have the words that was there. But when you get another translation, sometimes they take a word and they break it down for you. And you want to make sure that that word that they're breaking down, you can find it in the Greek or you can find it in the Hebrew. So that's how you study to make sure these translations are not pulling anything out that's useful that you need. So Proverbs 26.4 says, Don't answer fools when they speak foolishly or you will be just like them. So that means is you don't want to answer them based on their terms because a fool, first of all, is a person who the Bible says is senseless and they call a fool stupid because when they answer, they answer according to their foolishness, according to natural, not spiritual. So that's why they call them senseless because they don't know what the word of God is saying. So you don't want to go answer them according to their terms. And I used an example last Tuesday dealing with their terms. They may tell you, I want you to answer this question, but I don't want you to use the Bible. You do not put down the Bible based on anybody's terms to give them an answer. Because that's what you stand on is the word of God. So if you're standing on the word because you are a believer and you're born from above, you don't want to answer them outside of the word of God. And you let them know, no, I will answer you according to the word of God, not according to you, but according to God's word. That's what I heed to. That's what I obey. So when you answer that way, you bring in forth the word of God and you're not answering on their terms based on what they want you to do. Now, when we answer on their terms, we we become foolish like them. We become senseless, and a fool is a senseless, stupid person. 
That's what a fool is. When you go in the Greek and you look that up, that's what it says they are. So we have to take heed and be careful when we're talking to people because you can tell when a person is foolish. But verse 5 says, answer fools when they speak foolishly. Now, it seems like that's contradicting verse 4, isn't it? But it is not. It says, answer fools when they speak foolishly or they would think they are really wise. So there's a time that you do answer and there's a time that you don't answer. And the Holy Spirit will let you know what to say, how to say, when to say. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, study to be quiet. He'll let you know you don't need to answer that. He will warn you. But whatever needs to be answered, I guarantee you, if you're in the word of God, you will know how to answer. So it says, um, let me go. I'm going to start there. And I want to talk a little bit more about a fool. Answering a fool. I want to go back here again. Remember, a fool is somebody who's slow, senseless. It's a stupid person. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 2 through verse 3. I'm still in the expanded. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 2 through verse 3. Listen at this. The heart of the wise leads, goes to the right. The right. But the heart of a fool leads, goes to wrong, the left. The heart of the wise leads to the right, but the heart of the fool leads to, to wrong the left. Even in the way fools walk along the road, they show that they are not wise, they lack sense. They show everyone how stupid, foolish they are. A fool will show you just how stupid and foolish they are. Listen at this verse, Proverbs 12, 23. Proverbs 12, 23. Wise, prudent people keep what they know to themselves. Y'all hear that? Wise, prudent people keep what they know to themselves. Conceal, hide their knowledge. The reason why they're saying this is because a wise person is not going to give out all their knowledge. They're going to know when to speak. A wise person do not have to prove themselves to anyone in any given situation. They're going to know how much knowledge to give at that particular time. But it says, but fools can't keep from showing how foolish they are. The hearts of fools proclaim their stupidity. I'm going to read it again. But fools can't keep from showing how foolish they are. The hearts of fools proclaim their stupidity. That's what fools do. So church, let's don't become a fool. And I believe all of us in here from this pulpit on out to the congregation have been a fool at one time. I can admit it. Don't know when to shut up. When you know you're right, just be right. You don't have to prove that you're right. Just be quiet and say what the Lord have you to say and hush. But when you keep on, you become a fool just like the fool. So we don't want to do that. We want to make sure that we answer according to truth, which is the word of God. And then we don't have to prove who we are and who we belong to. Because the word will speak for itself. Amen. 
I'm going to go over this again. First Peter three fourteen through 17. Because this is saying how we should answer in meekness and in fear. And I'm going to bring that back out tonight. How we need to answer. And I'm going to read this again. Verse 14. But, if, but even if you suffer for doing right, righteousness, you are blessed. So I want to say to those in here tonight. If you've been going through persecution or whatever it may be for the word's sake. And it's like you're suffering for righteousness, doing right. The Bible say you are blessed. And I guess some people say, how in the world am I blessed going through like I'm going through? Because the Bible say you still blessed because you're standing, you're defending what you believe in. You're standing for what's right, so you are blessed. And then the Bible say, don't be afraid of what they fear or their threats, intimidation. Do not dread those things. Be disturbed and intimidated. So we don't have to fear when we're being persecuted, when we're suffering for righteousness. We don't have to be intimidated. But it says, but respect Christ as the holy Lord. Sanctified Christ as Lord in your hearts. That is, acknowledge his holiness and sovereignty in your life. So even when we're going through and we're suffering for righteousness... We want to acknowledge God's um, sovereignty. We want to acknowledge his holiness. We want people to understand that we fear no man. The only one we fear is God. And even in the midst of our suffering, we're honoring him. We're reverencing him. We're showing how holy he is. How are we doing this? This is it. Always be ready to answer. Or give a defense to everyone who asks you to explain about your hope you have that is in you. But this is what we do. How we're showing how we fear God. But answer in a gentle, humble way. And with respect. With fear of reverence for God. Keep a clear, good conscience so that those who speak evil of. When you are accused, those slandering, slanderers of your good life, behavior, conduct in Christ will be made ashamed. It is better to suffer for doing good than for doing wrong, evil, if that is what God wants, the will of God. So this is what the Bible is saying. Even though you're suffering for righteousness, for righteousness sake, you should, you should know that you're blessed. You should know that you are envied, you are blessed. And even in the midst of that suffering, it's a way that you should carry yourself. It's a way that you should conduct yourself. You should conduct yourself with a gentle, a humble spirit, and meekness, and in love. So people will know, man, they're really from God. This is God. This is not the way, um, you know, people in the world does it. This is actually God. So when people begin to accuse you falsely because you kept God's attributes, his characteristics, they will be made ashamed, not you. See, what the enemy wants you to do, he wants you to come out of your position of who you are now that you're in Christ. But if you always humble yourself, even in the midst of a situation and you come back in humility, sometimes you have to be wrong knowing that you're right. Some people say, how in the world can I be wrong if I know I'm right? Because you don't have to prove yourself to nobody. And then eventually, people will know they were right. By you humbling yourself and you listening to that person and you coming at them in a meek and humble way, you're fearing God. 
because you're doing what God asked you to do. So in the long run, at the end of the day, those people who've been hating on you, been ridiculing you, persecuting you, making you look like you've been made ashamed of, they're going to have to come back to you and they're going to see you are who you say you are, are in Christ because you could have treated me this way. You could have done this. So we suffer for righteousness sake. Then in 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26, expanded Bible again. Stay away from, avoid, have nothing to do with foolish and stupid, ignorant arguments, controversies, speculation, speculations, because you know they grow into breed, begat quarrels. One translation may say strife. And a servant, slave, bond servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, a good, qualified, able teacher and patient. This is who we supposed to be. A servant, a bond servant of the Lord must not quarrel. And y'all know that's one thing right there that we will know that we have the Holy Spirit. If somebody come at us in a way. They shouldn't come at us and we're not quarreling. From the pulpit out to you guys, all of us have done it. But thank God, he's a forgiving God. But one thing that I have noticed, if I get in a quarrel, it may be a silent quarrel, it may not be loud, but it's still quarreling. I don't care if it's not loud or loud or loud or whatever it is, you're still quarreling. Do you know you can um, quarrel without getting loud and boisterous? You can. You can have strife without getting loud and boisterous. You can always keep something going and do it in a silent mode. But when you know, the Holy Spirit will let you know you're wrong. And that's how you cut it off right then. See, the Holy Spirit, he will let us know. He will identify what's going on in your life and what you need to correct. But he will do it based on you being right with God. He will do it based on who you are in him. So when he do it, we bring correction. We close that door. Now, if he show us how um, our conduct is and we don't change that, then we got a problem. We got a big problem. So what we need to do, we need to listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say outside of how we feel. When you listen to the Holy Spirit and you change the way that you're doing things, guess what? That person will look at you differently. Because you went back to them and you did it the way that the Holy Spirit would have for you to do it. So it says, the Lord's servant must be gentle, teach, gently instructing, correcting those who disagree. And then it says, let me go back to 24. And a servant, slave, bond servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. A good, qualified, able teacher and patient. The Lord's servant must be gentle. Teach generally, instructing, correcting those who disagree, our opponents, then maybe perhaps God will let them change their minds, grant them repentance, so they can accept, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may wake up, come to their senses, and escape from the trap, snare of the devil, who catches them to do what he wants, his will. So if we do what the word of God tells us to do, we will know how to answer when we're defending our faith. There's a way that we should answer when somebody is coming at us the wrong way. 
concerning what we believe. We answer in love. We answer in a meek and quiet spirit. We answer with the attributes and characteristics of God. And we can do it because we have the Holy Spirit to help us to do it. And sometimes when we answer, sometimes we don't have to say anything. Nothing. We do what the Holy Spirit will have us to do. I want to give you an example tonight dealing with Jesus and how Jesus was defending what he believed and how he did it. Go with me to Mark 12, verse 18 through 27. I'm still in the expanded Bible. Mark 12, verse 18 through 27. And we're supposed to follow what? His example. The word of God says, then some Sadducees came to Jesus and asked him a question. Sadducees believed that people would not rise from the dead. Now keep that in mind. The Sadducees believed that people would not rise from the dead. So this is the question they asked Jesus. They said, teacher, Moses wrote that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children... Then that man may marry the widow and have children, raise up offspring seed from his brother. You can find that in Deuteronomy 25.5. They were right about that coming out of Deuteronomy. Once there were seven brothers. The first brother married, took a wife, and died, leaving no children. So the second brother married the widow, but he also died and had no children. The same thing happened with the third brother. All seven brothers married her and died. And none of the brothers had any children. Finally, the woman died too. Since all the seven brothers had married her, when people rise from the dead at the resurrection, who wife will she be? This is what the Sadducees are asking Jesus. All of these men died, she died. So at the resurrection, when she rise, when they rise, who wife shall she be? This is how Jesus answered. Jesus answered, you are mistaken. Are you not mistaken in error because you don't know what the scriptures say? And don't you know about the power of God? For when people rise from the dead, they will not marry, nor will they be given to someone to marry. I want y'all to hold on to that because I was teaching on angels um, Sunday. And I wanted to put in there on Sunday how people say that angels can procreate. They cannot. That's why you have to go into the word of God. Jesus said they will be like the angels in heaven saying that they will not be able to marry. That means they're not going to be married. There's not going to be no marriages in heaven. So when you know these things, when somebody asks you that, that's a foolish question. It should be foolish to you when you know the truth, right? That's why you need to know the truth. And then he says, surely you have read, have you not read what God said about people rising from the dead? In the book in which Moses wrote about the burning bush, it says that God told Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is still the God of the patriarchs, so they must have a continual existence after death. God is the God of the living, not the dead. You Sadducees are wrong greatly deceived, badly mistaken. If you go back and look at what Jesus did, Jesus was actually calling them fools because they was trying to trap Jesus. Remember, they did not believe in 
rising from the dead. But look how they try to trap him with that question. When they are risen from the dead. See, they tried to trap him because they didn't believe it. So they're asking him a foolish question. But Jesus come back with what? Truth. He come back with the way that God intended for it to be. So when you defend in your faith, you have to stand on truth. Not what grandmama said if it ain't true. Not what granddaddy said if it ain't true. Not what your aunts and uncles said if it ain't true. If the word does not say it, it is not true. We have some old sayings that people will say all the time. Lord, if you take one step or I'll take two, you take two, I'll take one, whatever it was. And people pull stuff out of the Bible and they bring it out the way they want to say it. But you can't stand on that. If it's not in the word of God, you cannot stand on it. So when you hear somebody teaching, even me, and I need to give you the scripture, I need to tell you where it's coming from, you need to follow through, search it out for yourself, so we can be on one accord. You do not just listen to any pastor without going behind that pastor, knowing what that pastor is saying is coming from the word of God. And as you hear it, just like in the book of Nehemiah 8, they were ready to hear the word of God, the ones that could understand. And even when they could not understand some of the things, it was people there to give them understanding so they can understand the book of law, the book of Moses. So don't take the word lightly. I don't care who you trust, me, whoever else it is. Search it out for yourself so we can be on one accord. Don't just take it because you're thinking that I know everything or that this person know everything. Or you may hear somebody quote the Bible all the time. I always say, quote, if you're quoting it, live it. If you cannot live it, do not be quoting it. Do not tell somebody something that you're not doing yourself and expecting them to do it. So Jesus knew how the Pharisees and Sadducees were. He knew how the Herodians were. He knew how all of them was. So when they presented to him anything, Jesus would come back with the word of God. Now, here's an incident in the Bible in Luke 23, verse 8 through 9. And this is when Jesus was, um, you know, they was crucifying Jesus, getting ready to crucify him. And it says in verse 8, when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad Because he had heard about Jesus and had wanted to meet, to see him for a long time. He was hoping to see Jesus work a miracle, perform a sign. Herod asked Jesus many questions, but Jesus said nothing. Wonder why Jesus didn't say anything and wonder why Jesus didn't perform a miracle. Because he knew he was mocking him. When you know people are mocking you. When you know people are doing things to make, to belittle you or make you look a certain way, you don't have to answer. You don't have to say anything because not answering is letting them know, I know who I am. I know who I belong to. So the Holy Spirit will let you know when to answer and when not to answer. I think some of us, some of us spend our time debating with people trying to prove who we are. In a husband and wife relationship, if that wife is always contending with that husband, 
Always coming at the husband with the word, telling that husband, this is what you need to be doing. You need to be in the church. You need to quit hanging out with these guys. You need to quit doing this and you need to quit doing that. And then the husband come back and say, you know what? And you need to quit lying. I ain't lied. I'm saved. I've been saved for 20 some years and I got the Holy Ghost and that with the burning fire. And he said, no, if you were saved, you know how to treat a husband. I know I know how to treat a husband because if I didn't know how to treat you, I'd be done killed you. Then he come back and he say, you already done killed me. How I done killed you with your mouth every day. That's why I'm on the rooftop. I just come down sometime hoping you don't cook me a meal and you say you saved, sanctified with that burning fire. Why you don't cook for your husband and you don't do nothing late at night with me either. You ain't no Christian. You call yourself a Christian. You ain't no Christian. You don't have to tell me. Then she used the N-word on him. I know who I am by the grace of God. He saved me, sanctified me, and set me free. And I'm getting ready to set you free. And then use the N-word again. Is she contending for her faith? Is she standing on what she believes? So that means when you get in a situation like that, you don't even believe you saved. Because you're still trying to prove that you saved. Come on, how many have been in that situation? I'll give you an example with me. Nah, uh -uh, we ain't been doing all that. My husband ain't been coming at me like that. He's still here, right? (laughs) I remember years ago, um, I was getting myself where I needed to be with the word. And when you're getting yourself where you need to be with the word, you're checking yourself to make sure that you don't get out of alignment. And I remember we went to All Tale, and my husband was telling me, um, Holy Spirit helped me to remember it was something about his, his mom had asked him to do something um, with them or something, ask us. And he said, well, I told him no, because I know how you are. Oh, y'all, I was in a place. And he got out the car, and I'm in the car with tears in my eyes. I'm just crying, and I'm saying, Lord, I know I have changed. Lord, I know I have, I'm not the same person I used to be. So the devil was putting in my mind, see, they don't want to be around you. Your husband don't want them around you because he know how you is. I mean, the devil just talking, y'all, just talking. All of a sudden, I got quiet, and the Holy Spirit said, ask him what he means. That's not what he's talking about. So immediately when I heard the Holy Spirit, I asked him, my husband, I said, why did you say that? He said, because I know you changed, and I know you wouldn't want to be around that. Y'all, I gave God glory. See, I didn't have to fuss. I didn't have to go off and tell him, oh, y'all think y'all better than me? You know how we do. We go off. We begin to fuss people out because we think that that person is putting us down. But we need to wait and hear the Holy Spirit to ask the Holy Spirit, what's going on? What did he mean by that? And see, when we go off, they don't look at us to be whom we say we are. Thank God that God know our hearts, right? So we have to be careful how we answer. We have to be careful how we take things when we can take them based on how we feel. Or the enemy will use our past to try to make it our future. 
And we don't want that to happen. So when you contending for the faith and you defending what you believe in, sometimes you do not have to answer. Sometimes you wait on the Holy Spirit and he'll show you how to answer. If I had not have waited on him, it would have been a big argument for no reason. This is why in marriage, communication is a must. You just don't take things the wrong way without getting an understanding. Because sometimes you may not explain it the way he need to understand it. Or he may not explain it the way you need to understand it. And until you can get understanding, you don't need to answer. You don't need to say things. And this is why when me and my husband talk, he helps me in the area. I help him in the area. But if he don't understand me sometimes... I have to back off and I have to go pray and say, Lord, help me to meet him where he is. Or he have to do the same thing. He have to say, Lord, show me how to come in with this so it won't be nothing between us. We're going to still defend what we believe, but it's a way you come in with what you believe. Because you can lose a person without mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. Why did it say out of the abundance of the heart because it's a lot coming out of that heart and the reason why it's a lot coming out the heart and I'm gonna be honest the majority of us or I'll say all of us in this room we hold things in our heart that we do not want to talk about with our spouse or with a friend or whoever it may be we hold it for umpteen years then when something come up Everything that's been held from umpteen years down to the color of your underwear up to everything from the covered up to the outside, you begin to talk about it. I remember what you had on that day. I remember where it was. I remember what you said, but you never said nothing to him that day. We have a lot of stuff we hold against people. And some of us use the word of God to defend what we believe, but we only using it for our gain to make the other person look like they're wrong. And that's not the way we defend our faith. We defend our faith according to the word of God, according to what we believe. Amen. So tonight I'm going to do one skit. Then after that skit, we're going to do something else. And I have to use Athea because she's going to help me out with it. And we're going to do a skit on defending what you believe. Come on up, Athea. I need one more mic, Athea. And who want to be the one that's going to stand up against this Sadducee, this Pharisee, this Herodian, which is Athea Lofton. That's the part she's playing tonight. Who won a rumble? She playing the part of the Sadducee, the Pharisee, the Herodian. Who won a rumble? Who want to come up and contend for your faith against Lofton? Here come Lofton. Don't make me call you up. Here comes Lofton coming on in. Okay, I'm finna call you up. Don't call me tonight, Pastor. Come on up, Renee. 
We're calling Renee, Renee Green. Come on up, Renee Green. Contending for the faith. You don't even know what she's going to answer. Come on up. <laughs> look, 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 look. Isn't this something? No, I can't pass it until you come up, and then we'll pass it. I'm going to use that saying, you take two steps up here. We're going to wait on Renee. She's not in rebellion. She's coming. Say you're not ready. Maybe the majority of us are not ready, but that's why we're getting ready. This is just a skit. That's all, man. Just a skit. Come on up and contend for the faith in this skit. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you can redo yours. Wait a minute. Uh-uh. Renee got to come up first. You, you have a seat. You have a seat. Renee got to come up first. It's all right, Renee. She's just going to ask you one question, and you contend for what you believe. That's all. Hey, Nay. Hey. <laughs> Nay, are you saved, baby? I am. Okay. Why you say it like that? You should be excited. Mm. If Jesus saved you, should be, yes, I know the man. I'm excited. You're excited? Really? Mm. You about as excited as somebody over there to Bobby Dunn's. And yes, thank you, Renee. Now you can pass the mic. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Hi, young lady. How are you? Hey, Jennifer. I'm good. How you doing? Um, last week you asked me, um, how do I know I'm saved? Mm-hmm. And I gave I, everything that I said. It wasn't all wrong, but I didn't give you scripture on how I know I'm saved. And God saved us. It started whenever he went on the cross, and he... He died for us. He died for all our sins, the past, the present, and the future sins. And he gave us a gift, and the gift was forgiveness. And he forgave us, and he saved me. In Romans 10, 10, he said, if I confess with my, if I confess with thou mouth and believe in thou heart that God raised raised him from the dead, then I should be saved. Is that 1010 or 10-9? 10-9, I'm sorry. Okay. And so, God came down here and did that? God got on the cross? Yes. Really? Yes, God he, himself? He died, yes, he did. God himself? Jesus. Okay. Okay. Jesus did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No problem. No problem. I'm sorry. Right. So I just wanted to give you that to let you know, because you know how you be in church sometimes and... The, um, at the end of the service, the pastor uh, called, wanna have an altar call, and she asks, she asks, um, "Is there anybody that want to be saved? You ever had that feeling sitting out there in the audience? God, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. That's what happened to me. Okay. Because you know, the night before is a Saturday night. 
I was a, I like to go out and party. I like to drink. So were you emotionally charged to come up here or you felt the pulling and a tugging? It was a pulling and a tugging. How do you know the difference? It's, it's something that you just. Because, you know, you said you came out of the club, so they could be playing something in the club that could stir up your emotions for your husband. So they could be singing a song in here that could stir up your emotions for a minute to say, oh, how I love Jesus. But it's just your emotions because you're thinking about all what he's done and all this and that. And then when you leave out, you forget all about Jesus and you're back to whoever you younger people listen to. It's just, no, because, you know, he, um, um, hearing comes. Uh, faith comes faith, by hearing. I'm sorry. Faith yeah. comes by I'm hearing sorry. and hearing comes by the word of God. And I have heard numerous. Um, I have heard my pastor preach, mm-hmm. and 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 I've all and I've had the tugging before. I've had it before, but I didn't go up. Who was tugging? Tyson tugging on your clothes? Or no, what? no, no, Tyson, no Tyson, okay. <laughs> no Tyson, no Tyson. It was God. It was God all along, just telling me that I need to come up and and to and that I need to be saved. So. Say from what? Now, y'all can stop right there because I want to say something. Did not Jennifer represent meekness, fear, and humility? She did. She did it by coming back up. Even though she was humiliated by a fear lofty. Yeah, she did. Not intentionally. She let it it go. It was a great thing. She let it go and she come back and said, let me give you scripture. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank y'all. Now, um, Kim, you can turn off the camera because I got something else. Thank y'all for joining us. Everybody in here that was. Thanks for watching Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries, where miracles happen. You can join us each week on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern for church service and on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Bible study. For upcoming events, teachings, and ways to contact us and more, you can visit us on the web at www.mtdm.org. You can also give a donation by clicking the Donation tab. God bless you, and we will see you next week.